Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh, God. I hate saying hi on these things. It's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Wizard Files. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Wizard Files. I'm so excited to have you here. What does it mean, what to, be does mean to be a wizard? What makes you a wizard? Ready. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> Welcome to today's podcast. I'm so glad to have you here with me on The Wizard Files today. This episode is going to be a little bit different. One of the questions that I get asked a lot is, what does it mean to be a wizard? Only it's not usually asked like that. It's usually asked more like, you're a what? Okay, so what does that mean exactly? <laughs> I think the easiest way to explain it is to tell the story of how I came up with this. When I was little, I wanted to be paid to think. That was my dream job. I didn't know what it meant. And I looked into think tanks and that wasn't quite right. I just knew I wanted to be paid to use my brain. It turns out that wasn't quite right either because my brain isn't the only thing doing the figuring, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But at the time when I was a kid, that's, that's what I understood it to mean. So as I grew up, I attached to anything brain oriented, calculus, physics, psychology, sociology. I loved studying all of those things. And a lot of the professions connected to them didn't quite resonate, but some of them were close. Ultimately, I ended up in a job in web development, which still used a lot of thinking and a lot of creating something out of nothing. And over time, moved up the ladder, fell into management. And for me, management was about helping people fulfill their potential, become the best at whatever the thing is that they wanted to be. But really my goal was to help them find the thing that they wanted to be because for a lot of web developers, they weren't really sure yet. Through exploring that, I've discovered very quickly that what I really love to do was help people through a transition point. And what does that mean? I didn't know what that meant. I, I could feel it when it would happen. I understood it when it would happen, but it was hard to describe. So fast forward 15 years, after about a decade in management and a couple years out in the world as a coach, I went to a conference called Intuitive Speaking Live, where you guessed it, the whole point of the conference was to learn to give talks intuitively. Awesome conference, by the way, highly recommend it. They're not doing another one until 2021, but if you happen to hear this in 2021, look it up. So I'm at this conference and it's filled with heart-centered, coaches and entrepreneurs who all have very similar messages, messages around finding your path, following your heart, living your dream. And on the last day of the conference, my old boss asks me if I want to go out to lunch. Obviously in that situation, uh, you don't say no. So I went out to lunch with my old boss and for context, she is a powerhouse. She's amazing intimidating sometimes, and also extremely clearly branded. She loves being a superhero. It's in everything that she does. So we're out to lunch and she asks me, what's your message? What message are you going to put out there? And I start talking about authenticity and people being true to themselves and what the world would look like if everybody really was living 
through to their full selves, their full honest self. And she goes, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sonia, there's a room full of people in there who are all saying exactly the same message. How is yours going to be any different? (sighs) Let me tell you, my heart fell through the floor. (laughs) And... I looked at her. I said, I don't know. That's the question, isn't it? How is my message going to be any different? So she asked me to close my eyes and she told me to imagine my message embodied. So I'm seeing the, the serene, peaceful field and forest. And it's kind of a space that I am often in when I'm doing visualization work for myself. And in drops this warrior elf. She looks at me. She goes, there, that, what happened? well, there's an elf. She goes, okay, keep going. I said, okay. And as I think through feeling into what it means to deliver my message, different imagery keeps popping up and it all feels like, it all feels like a starting point. Something's happening here. But as we were walking back from lunch, there was one question I really wanted to ask her and it scared the shit out of me to imagine asking it because I didn't want to challenge her brand. That was not my intent. And thankfully, I asked the question anyway. I said, so here's what I don't understand. You are very well branded. It's in everything that you do. But I've never understood how you can put yourself into a character like that. And she goes, oh no, absolutely not. That's how so many brands get all screwed up is they try to squeeze themselves into some other idea of a brand that they have that they think that they belong to. She goes, no, 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 no. I am a superhero. And she listed off her reasons for why she is a superhero. And she looks at me and she says, it's not about putting yourself into the brand. It's about understanding the brand that you already are and then living into that every single day. In that moment, my brain broke open. I felt a little dizzy. It was easily the biggest moment from the conference and it happened at lunch, as these things do. So I went home that night and I wrote down every character I ever wanted to be in a movie or TV show. I wrote down Ferris Bueller. I wrote down Jean-Luc Picard. I wrote down number one, which became a really interesting dilemma because Wanting to be Picard and also wanting to be number one is really contradictory. I guess so is being Ferris Bueller. And there was a good chunk of time that night where I thought I was going to wake up in the morning and have to figure out how to rebrand myself as uh, Captain Picard. That was going to be weird. So there's this thing that happens to me where things will pop. An image will pop. A word will pop. If a client is talking to me, their words will pop. Something really significant will shine and have an edge to it in a way that I feel in my body. I don't actually see a difference. I don't actually hear a difference, but it hear, it sounds and looks different. I, I can't explain it other than how I just did. It's a knowing in my gut and in my heart that, that something is different in that piece of information. And when I came downstairs that morning... And I looked at my list. The only word that I could see was Gandalf. And I looked at it and thought, you know, every single other one of these characters fits within Gandalf's world. So naturally, I did what I think anybody would do. I googled 
Gandalf as an archetype. Totally normal Google search term, I'm sure. And it turns out that there's actually a dude, thanks dude, who wrote a paper on this in 1999 on Gandalf as a Jungian archetype. I would actually love to have a conversation with that guy because I have some questions. <laughs> However, it got me rolling on the idea of what it means to be a wizard in real life. And to come to understand myself that way was life altering. Things that didn't fit in my wizardry no longer looked the same to me. I've got clothes that don't resonate anymore because they don't fit this place where I understand myself to be in a way that I didn't understand before. So what does it mean? What did I read? What did I see? Being a wizard means that I come into your life at a magical point. And it seems to be true for friends, for clients, for family. When I find myself with people that I connect with, it's at a point of change for them. They have some struggle that is really weighing them down. It might be, it can be anything. It really can be anything. It can be job. It can be life purpose. It can be a big move. But what happens is they are trying to find a way forward and they, they can't see it. And they're struggling to find it. They know it's there. They can feel that there's something more for them. There's something more they need. There's a change that needs to happen. They're feeling the weight of social pressure, of familial pressure, of social media, of the media. All of these things are weighing down on them in a way that didn't feel like it did the year before or two years before. It feels new. It feels heavier. It feels harder. Right on the brink of this change. And my role as a wizard is to see them to see how they fit into this bigger picture that they're looking for, to see how they might move through it, to find that path. If you think about Gandalf and you remember how he shows up for Frodo, now I have to make a confession because otherwise I'm going to get called out on this. I have not read the books. Okay. Shh. I have seen the movies a few times. And I've sort of read the books. I tried to make it through Hobbit when I was a kid. I got stuck at some giant spot somewhere. I got scared. And I couldn't get into Lord of the Rings. I think I could now. Someday, when my daughter's a little older, and I'm not reading Percy Jackson, I'm going to try out Lord of the Rings for myself. But right now, I'm spending a lot of time reading about Percy Jackson. And that's okay. When Gandalf first shows up in The Hobbit, in many ways, he is the instigator of Frodo's change. He brings the party to Frodo, right? Another way to look at this is that he recognizes this shift that is coming for Frodo. Frodo is an adventurer who maybe wouldn't have had the most awesome love-filled life in the Shire. I don't know. This part is debatable. It's part of my own vision around what it means to be a wizard. Gandalf shows up at a key point, and he does it again in Lord of the Rings as shit's starting to go down. He starts trying to figure out the system. What's happening? Let's problem solve this. What is going on? And in The Hobbit, yeah, kind of got this, this dragon we got to deal with. And what's the best way to do that? But he doesn't just come in and kick the door down and say, hey, 
let's go on this journey. I'm not going to help you. He brings the full force of his magic whenever he can to support this adventure, this quest that's happening at any given time. It also means he disappears regularly (laughs) to the point where his friends are like, dude, where the fuck did you go? (laughs) We needed you here. He's like, I know. And he also knows that there is a certain amount of pain that comes with the journey. And he does his best to support that too. But he's not unaware. When you see wizards in these stories, they're so often supporting the hero with some science, some intuitive wisdom, and some just magical wizard shit that they can't explain. But they know it works because they've used it and it produces results. And as the story wraps up, as the hero finds their way through to the end, the wizard's not always there, first of all. But at the end of the story, if they haven't already left, the wizard is done. The wizard's role is complete, and they move on. It's my belief that a real-life wizard, like myself, is here to problem-solve, is here to put the pieces together, to see the systems and to understand how they're interacting with each other, both on a grand scale and also on a personal scale. To have deep empathy, because without that empathy, that intuitive wisdom doesn't work. To learn as much as science has to offer and to keep using the intuitive knowing and seeing that comes naturally from who the fuck knows where. I have my theories. That's a different podcast. So as I look at my list on my wall and I see Merlin, Picard, Ferris Bueller, I realize that every role in any movie that I've ever wanted to be was represented in Gandalf. And let me tell you, the energetic release that happened to me that day was unreal, both metaphorically and physically. It was seven o'clock in the morning. And I looked at my husband and I said, I need to go for a walk, which I hadn't done in years. And I set out on a walk and I got to the point where I usually would turn around and I looked around. I was like, I'm not even tired. So I kept going. And four miles later, I made it back home and I did it again the next day and the next day. And I did that for three months until the last day I did it. I found a very long stick on the ground that had broken off of a tree that had been cut down in my favorite park. And this stick was just the right size to be a staff. And I picked it up and I looked at it and I thought, this is stupid. I don't need a staff. (laughs) But I also couldn't put it down. That stick popped for me the way that everything else pops when they pop. Poppity pop. So I picked it up and I didn't put it down and I brought it home and I had to learn how to get the bark off a stick. It's not exactly hard, but I didn't know how to do it. (laughs) And now I have a wizard staff that I deeply appreciate and sits in my corner. Next up, I need a hat. So that's what it means to me to be a wizard. When somebody's really stuck, I can see things and how they're talking about it and I can hear the way they're talking about it. And I can find ways to help them get unstuck. And I can use energy work to find blocks, which basically means I wave my hands around in the air. I imagine an outline of a person 
And I can find places on your body where energetically you're blocked. I can work on clearing that energetically. I can work on clearing that with visualizations with you. Those blocks can give me an idea of what's going on. I don't understand how it works. Science doesn't understand how it works. But that's part of it. Part of it is removing the feeling of being stuck. Sometimes when that's out of the way, new ideas appear that weren't there before. So it wasn't long. In fact, it was mm, literally a week later. I'm telling this story to someone at another conference because back-to-back conferences are a terrible idea. They're a terrible idea. So naturally I did it. I was telling this to someone at a conference and he looks at me and he says, have you checked to see if Sonia the Gray is available as URL? No, I haven't, but I'm going to go do that right now. And the more that I feel into what it means for me to be a wizard, the more any other identity makes no sense. It's who I am. And it's what my old boss was talking about when she said, you find the identity that you already are. You find the brand that you already are. And you be that intentionally as best you can every day. So that's what it means to me when I say that I'm a wizard. It's part intuitive wisdom. It's part brain science. It's part sociology. It's a whole pile of magical wizardry. And I look forward to sharing the wizarding discoveries that I have made throughout my life. Thank you for joining me on this podcast today. And I will see you next time. Your daughter's approval is five stars. Thank you for joining me today for The Wizard Files. If you'd like to connect with me online, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sonia the Gray. That's S-O-N-J-A-T-H-E-G-R-E-Y. If you have any questions or a topic idea for the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can send an email to Sonia at SoniaTheGray.com. That's S-O-N-J-A at S-O-N-J-A-T-H-E-G-R-E-Y dot com. Until next time. I swear I could rock out to this music all day. This might be my favorite part of the podcast.